Hello friends, welcome, ladies, gentlemen, and envies, to another episode of the second, not stream, but the show's streaming, but we're not, and never have been, so it's okay, we don't have to change the title, second stream podcast, this is about seeing yesterday for me, and that is an anime that is currently airing in the year of our Lord 2020, the spring season, you can the watch The year it of our Lord 2020, the God has forsaken this year, you know that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, I, I'm, I'm really hoping. I haven't really figured out in my head how to do this, but this just occurred to me. Like, I'm okay. So, you're familiar with the BCAD uh, calendar conventions? I am indeed. Um, that are sort of approximately close to the birth of Christ. Oh, I thought it was before um, Christmas. <laughs> yeah, that's sure. We'll go with that. Um. And so I'm thinking that the current event is, like, so sort of um, uh, severe and epical that we ought to have, like, a new calendar convention now. Um, and I'm we need to figure out, like, a fun acronym for it. I was, I was trying to work it out where... Uh, the before COVID nineteen time could be BDSM, but I haven't quite I haven't quite done that in my head. An ADSM, you know. Uh, well, I was going to say, Doc, is that I haven't thought of an acronym off the top of my head right now, but like you know full well that the evangelicals in like you know America, like those hard cases, they won't settle for a change in the naming convention. Like Jesus died for this calendar system, and you better be happy with it. <laughs> died from the calendar so unless unless yep. they, he plans mm-hmm. to come back just to die again so like you know hallmark can do a new set of calendars here <laughs> on out. like you know i think we're gonna have i think we're stuck with ad you know which mm, last yeah, time i checked probably. was uh, called ah dang it <laughs> oh dang it um well I forgot to introduce us, but uh, just in case you didn't know, if you're popping in for the first time to What Are We Death Show, uh, I am the subtle doctor, and along for the ride with me, as always, is, uh, well, he's a great friend of mine. He's also the hardest working man in pod business. He is Shadon. Good evening, ladies, gentlemen, MBs. I am very happy to report that I am now working from home. I've been attending the office for the past three weeks because there were certain things that kind of saw needed to be done there but we've since worked ways out that they can be done from home and without getting too much into my work life for various reasons uh understandable ones like obviously you don't talk about your work life in public if you can all help it uh thank fuck for that <laughs> <laughs> that's my four word tldr moment on you know getting to work from home so yep that's happening as of next week for the foreseeable and i basically turned my house now into a bunker Ain't no one getting within five yards of this. Bang! Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> get off my lawn. I don't have a lawn, but get off it anyway. Bang! Well, uh, all the best to you and your uh, bunkerizing and your working from home. Uh, I hope that, uh, you know, I hope that it goes well. I hope that you, you know, see all the benefits and don't experience any of the, the possible drawbacks. Because... There can be some if you're not proactive, um, as uh, as I have found out over this last month. But uh, 
you know, you just you have to uh, be disciplined, Shadon. Discipline, discipline. Mm. I say, it's what we need. Do Do they sell that online? Can I get that delivered? I I may be a bit short oh. on it. <laughs> I'm sure I'll be fine. I mean, I made a separate office and everything in my spare bedroom. So, for those of you who remember, like you know, the halcyon days of when we actually still did live streams and such, prior to <laughs> this whole mess happening, uh, you might BDSM. Yeah, yeah, the streams were in BDSM. Prior, yeah. Prior, yeah, we haven't recovered from BDSM yet, unfortunately. <laughs> And that's just me joking in general. That's not me putting that lifestyle down, by the way. But what I mean to say is that, like, you know, obviously, if you've seen our uh, live streams, that I have, like, a setup full of, like, anime figures, beer cans, all sorts of good stuff. And obviously, you know, you then think, well, that must be where his PC is. That's not where my work stuff is. That's in a different place because I think it's important to have, like, a distinction between your office at home, so to speak, and your recreational area, you know, like where I play video games and whatnot. Because I'm not going to lie. I think I'll be fine, but I do think I'd be very sorely tempted, like, you know, okay, I've got an Excel spreadsheet I could work on here. <laughs> or, or, I could, or, I could play more Sims. Yeah! Let's go download some more DLC. Spring Break Pack! Yes! Yes, vampires! Oh, Hell shit, yeah. dog! So, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be fine, I reckon. It'll, it should be okay. I mean, you know, it'll probably run better than it would at work and all that. And on top of that, I'll be able to listen to music on full blast for having headphones on. So that's neat. You know, I've long thought about, speaking of The Sims, creating... Uh, I'm a terrible video game streamer, but I- I've thought about like having a Sims sort of setup or maybe doing it in XCOM. Uh, that would facilitate it. Just creating everyone in the in the patron Discord and then just kind of letting it go. Oh and seeing, dear! <laughs> seeing where life takes us. <laughs> I have you played all of the modern XComs and the originals for that matter. Um, it's not a question of if, right? It's rather right. two questions: uh, when and how. Which of us mm-hmm. gets their brains sucked out? So maybe we'll uh, explore that another time, press. But that would be funny, I admit. <laughs> just see my bo- yes. Just see my bald-headed, like you know, uh, soldier running around the battlefield, and you've got the aliens on the other side, like kaplock, aim for the chrome one. <laughs> aim for the one with no hair. <laughs> the distinct target. <laughs> um, aim for the one in the My Hero Academia shirt. That's what I'm wearing right now. Wow. What did they have? That's right. I'm revealing that right now on pod. Basketball shorts and a My Hero Academia shirt. I have oh, I have neither yeah. I have never watched My Hero Academia nor have do I own basketball shorts. Uh well I guess that's just a catch off for gym shorts. Do you not own any gym shorts? I I, I own like... I own shorts of some description or another, but not basket This is what I'm talking about. Not one that you have to like button up with a button. These are just like made of like, you know, nylon or, or polyester cottony whatever and they're meant to like to go work out in that's what i mean by basketball shorts mm-hmm. it's just a catch-all term that i use it could be incorrect or perhaps just a regional thing mm, indeed all right let's get to the episode anyway because we do have yes. we have many things to talk about with a uh, seeing yesterday for me episode two not least of which being that still using comic sans for the title card i oh why Oh, I will not stop complaining about this. Every time I see, I will bitch about it on this podcast. Comic Sans is such like you know a bargain basement font. It is when you are creatively and intellectually bankrupt. It's just gross. 
And it looks gross. There, there are and five-year-old children who would look at that and say, nope. <laughs> Even... <laughs> nope. Elmo's uh, better than that shit. Come on. Even uh, without the, like, super obviously sort of doctored in English bit, like, that looks like, you know, it's put there, right, for, for us. Like, if you scrub all that out, it still looks remarkably cheap with, like, the, the picture and then slightly over there to the right is the, the white, you know, vertical bar with the... the the text written on it. Mm. It still it's, it looks pretty rough. Yeah, um, I mean, if I pick... this is the only <laughs> is the only bad point about the. Show. I mean, we we <laughs> were stuck either way, regardless of whether or not we covered this or Kakushigoso, because in Kakushigoso, like the subtitles are as dense as a Michelin star restaurant's menu. It's fucking ridiculous. Oh no, they're terrible. Like I understand, like that there's a lot of gags involved in explaining stuff, but. Maybe this is a cultural thing, and again, we're not covering Kagushigoso, but I'm just going to mention anyway. If you have to explain the joke, does that mean it's funny anymore? Ooh, I think I think yes. In certain contexts. I think over-explaining the joke can be quite funny. Especially if you do it over and over. Like, the secret to great jokes, for me, to make me laugh, is to run them into the ground and then just keep going. Because then they will circle back around to being even more funny, you know. Explains what we've been going for on this podcast. <laughs> yep, that's, you found out my secret formula. Yeah, just strike down these jokes I don't know, and I'm, they'll become I'm not more really... powerful than you can ever imagine. <laughs> yeah, I'm just not really a fan of death by subtitles under any circumstances, to be quite honest. No, look, that's that's fair. That's a different kind of, yeah, that's a different thing. Hmm. But, you know, people are probably super mad because we're, like, nitpicking this one tiny detail in front-loading this podcast with a lot of negativity about that when I think we both really liked the episode. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, we'll get to it then. I think we should just mention, by the way, just as a refresher here, in case you're new to it, this and you yep. inexplicably have skipped everything we've ever done prior to this. I mean, I can forgive you for that, you know. Times are tough and you might be a bit desperate for some, any podcast material. <laughs> I mean, I did find out today, for example, that Amazon has apparently started running out of microphones, so... Look forward to, like, Berta's quarantine really? cast or some <laughs> shit like that, you know? Oh, man, I just ordered a new one. I hope it... Uh, I did a few days ago. It says it's coming on May the 7th. I, I wanted to take this opportunity to upgrade. I, I, I was able to do so, and... um, Yeah, I hope... Hopefully I get it. <laughs> hopefully I do get it. Hey, I've got mine long ago, so I'm ready to do my next show, Radio yeah. Free Salford. Hey, hey, looking forward hey. to that. Even though it, I got the same mic as terrible. Him, by the way. <laughs> what if it just made us sound the same? Wow. Like, what if I was like, Oi, it's me, the subtle doctor. Oh, I'm not even doing an accent right now. It's just I sound like Shadon. Well, if you're... Um, Sweet, good... Oh, my God. If your Yeti hey. microphone has the Union Jack paste <laughs> on it, that'll be why. <laughs> just, just beware of that. Uh, but yes, it's our second stream format, and what does that involve, you might wonder? Well, on our regular stream of thought format, you know, we're live, but otherwise, no real difference. Uh, we go through the plot in laborious details to make riffs aside, commentary, jokes, and observations as we go, before we get into the real talking points, like, you know, we give our little TED Talks, you've got to call them that. Uh, but no, this is all TED all the time in second stream. We are talking <laughs> always about talking points, like, you know, getting into the meat of discussion. So... 
we will give context as we go for where we feel it's relevant, so that way we're not talking completely, you know, into the void. You might think, so, Jesus, what are they even referring to? It's, you know, if you want to fire that criticism to us, you're more than welcome to. I might just ignore it, or just get drunk, or both. But anyway, uh, so, I want to start off immediately, though, Doc, by telling you something that minute. will make your head explode. Before we... Okay, before we move on, I've just Googled, because I wanted to know... What... What does TED stand for in TED Talks? I know TED is the organization that began... Total Exposition Dump. (laughs) It wouldn't surprise me. Um, I can't really find... Like, so I'm on the TED. Maybe maybe Wikipedia will be better. But um, if TED is just, like, a name that's not really an acronym... Heck, even if it is an acronym... Can we change it? I mean, for I don't, I don't want our nah, podcast but if, to be if, about. If, if Ted was a name, then that would be the TED Talk wouldn't be something you'd have like you know discussing like climate change or whatnot. It would just be like you know a rant from your redneck uncle. So it's oh technology entertainment design. I feel like we could make a Goku talk. We could do our we you know uh, giving our um, knowledge unlimited talk. I feel like we should re, re for for anime for our podcast instead of TED Talks we should give Goku Talks. I feel like that's the that's the direction. Yeah, I can take that. We can do our talks in the hyperbolic time chamber. So, does that mean that they only take Perfect. one second long or like, you know, how does that work? Do we like start talking when go in the chamber then come so... out and then it's like <laughs> out, it's two hours of discussion. <laughs> it's great <laughs> podcast. <laughs> what? When you're listening to it, you listen to it for an entire year, but only an hour has passed in the real world. Wow. <laughs> sounds like the last Sorry. time sounds like the last time I had to listen to my English teacher. <laughs> Shit. Oh, sorry, English teacher. No, I'm not sorry. <laughs> anyway, uh so So points. What do you want to talk right, about? Right. Prepare for your mind to be blown. Do you know who Rico's voice actor is who is Seiyu is. Oh, someone mentioned this, and I and I can't remember. Well, Go ahead. I was I was wondering why I thought to myself, is he speaking through cotton wool? That's not me being like disparaging or anything. It works for the character, but no, this is the gentleman who voiced Lagoshi from Beastars. Right, 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 right. Man, I and who is his love interest? <laughs> Haru. Haru. Such a small Dude. world. Like, he's typecast already, the poor guy. I mean, what? Is he going to voice, like, is he going to voice, like, Joker in the, you know, Haru Root specific Persona 5 Royale anime adaptation? Because that's the only place yeah, he's going next. Happen. I'm telling you now. Yep. If there's a Haru, then call this man. Um, I wouldn't have known. Like, I didn't. Now that you say it, like, he certainly has that sort of deep voice but like i wouldn't have just thought yep it's uh legoshi uh yeah that's but that's cool though i'm any any b stars association with anything is automatically good for it in my opinion well to be fair to rico that technically means he's got one out of the necessary two wolves inside of him already <laughs> the necessary two what are you talking about? You do, do you know, have you, Necessary have you, two wolves. Have you not heard of the meme? Like, you know, there are two wolves inside of you? No. Oh my god. <laughs> I, know, I know times are Are they like warring for... <laughs> Come on. 
Why are there two wolves inside of me? Just, 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 just stick that shit in Google sometime. Alright, I'm doing it now. Oh my god. <laughs> two wolves inside you is like the third... Two wolves wine was on there. Oh. Just, is it two wolves going to every wine bottle for that one? Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. So it's like a... I see. So then you fill in the rest of it. Mm-hmm. Um, inside you there are two wolves. One is gay, the other one is gay. I see. I see what this is about. This is a fun game. Inside you there are two wolves. One is white, the other one is white. You are racist. Yeah, this is a very fun game. Mm-hmm. Inside of you All there right. are two wolves. <laughs> That's the cause of digestion. Hey, 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 I like that one the best of all. That's my favorite one. So, oh my so God. yeah, there, okay. there's your uh, there's your mind-blowing nugget of knowledge to start this podcast off with. All right, I'll chuck the floor to uh, you, Doc, then. Uh, lead off with your first talking point, if you're good, sir. Sure. So, something I really liked about this episode a whole hell of a lot. And it is something that uh, will expose me as being a hack, because I can't sort of get in there with a a scalpel and a pair of tweezers and like pull out the element of the show and be like this this is what's done it right but um but yet and still i really enjoy about this show that this episode rather was like an expression of that feeling um that you have of kind of trying to go along and get along and fit in but not really belonging like shinako's um kind of early stuff the episode where she is uh you know she's going through the first graduation ceremony yes she's dutifully yes. like she's like hanging out with her colleagues going to dinner trying to be sociable and talkative like she's doing all the right things and yet like it the episode did a great job without really saying anything like not having the character be like i feel disconnected but like she clearly felt disconnected um despite being again this really sociable part of the group and boy that's just a feeling i can identify with it really reminded me of when i was a graduate student like going to you know i don't know when someone would get promoted we the department would go have like a party and we'd swirl wine around in our you know glasses and wear our sweaters and like impress each other we're talking about things and i would go along and play my part and everything but i just didn't really feel like i I felt so like i just didn't belong like i did but no one would have known that again because i was smiling i was trying to do my part but like you know i would just do that you know the equivalent of going and sitting in the park near my house and watching the cherry blossoms fall (laughs) like not exactly that of course but something similar Mm -hmm. yeah and um yeah, yeah, I really liked that about this episode a lot. Hmm. Yeah, I, I have to say, like, you know, the for those of you who listened to our previous podcasts on yesterday, episode one, I, from my perspective, suggested that Shinako kind of needed to leave the show entirely for, as I saw at the time, to make sense that she was there without it simply be turning into a love triangle between her, Riku, and Haru. Now, with the benefit of hindsight... And a little bit of sobriety. <laughs> yeah, okay, one of those things is true. But with, with, the, hey. with, with the benefit of those, like, maybe I was being too simplistic about that because I, I like what they did with her in this episode. 
but granted, like, I think I'm still not entirely convinced this isn't going to devolve into that problematic love triangle where it is, let's solve our problems by having at least one pair of people hook up, you know, when that solves nothing and in fact makes things more complicated. But if I may just speak to your point there about the build-ups in the first part of the episode to the point where um, Shinako meets Rico in the park, there's no one specific moment in this particular like couple of minutes that singularly I can I can point out and talk at length, but there were so many little things that really, really works. And from my memory, I can list a couple of them. These are gonna be kind of out of order, but Note the parallel, firstly, between the fact that there is the graduation ceremony for the kids and then there is the social gathering afterwards. That is Shinako's own graduation ceremony, if you want to call it that. The point in which, you know, she fully adopts, like, you know, the cohesive unit of being a teacher, like, you know, and working with her colleagues and such, and basically melding in with the group, like, you know, accepting her role. I really like the idea of, like, the parallel imagery of the graduation ceremony um, and then also the informal graduation ceremony if you are call it that mm. um of yeah. you know shinako going out with her colleagues um mm-hmm. reason being is that i i've never been to japan and i will eventually you know once this virus fucks off forever and always shoots the sun um but my understanding and this is in part informed by a lot of anime i've watched that is you know not about giant mechs or set in you know alternate worlds uh with slave harems no less <laughs> Those anime exist? Uh, they do. They do, dog. I know that's rare. I know it's rare. I know it's unusual. But it's true. But the idea I get, and I think there's it's, this is true for what I've just read elsewhere, is that if you work if you're working in Japan, like, you know, you will tend to go out for drinks a lot with your work colleagues specifically. You know, it's a big thing, like, you know, to go with a group of work colleagues like after work, go and have a couple of beers and all that. Um and that seems to extend in this case also to the teachers. So, you know, this is the point where, hey, you've done it, Shinako. You've done your first year and it was a success. By the way, no one else apart from her seems to care or note that Haru is not graduating. Just the red lines there. No one else mentions it. Even though that should be, you know... Mm. even It's not something they would necessarily dwell on, I suppose. But they would mention, hey, it's not your fault, you know. It can't be helped sometimes. Some some kids are just problems, you know? But there's not even that. It's like to these people, Haru doesn't even exist. Um, so yeah, I really appreciate how this... <clears throat> uh, how this, like, starting, like, couple of minutes here, like, there was no individual moment, really, that, like, was the big meaty chunk of it. But there were just lovely little bits peppered into, like, build up to the playground scene, which I want to discuss separately. Because um, the dramatic staging in that particular moment with her and Rico is just phenomenal um and it also allows us to start talking about the sakura because uh mm. yeah like sakura uh, blossoms you know they are your go-to like visual metaphor for the passage of time and the fleecingness of youth all that sort of stuff you know the transient nature of things and that's not to say that using them inherently just makes me like start pulling out my tv tropes like wiki favorites from you know and just start ah. furiously starting keep like, this show was like bad because it used a thing I recognized that's common in a lot of other shows. Uh, no. Like, <laughs> it's a question of how you use it. And I have to say, like, you know, that yesterday it's a very sober anime, and this one decided, you know, this time decided, like, hey, I'll include some Sakura Blooms and imagery in your, like, tie into a character's backstory. And I'm just going to twist the knife a little bit on this one as well. Because 
I like to see my audience just go, yeah, yeesh, that sucks. Explain the knife twist. Well, okay, I suppose I'll jump ahead to the talk point then. So, to give context, um, Shinako, like, when she was younger, uh, at the city she previously lived at before moving to Tokyo, the name of which currently eludes me. Uh, Kanazawa? Kanazawa, thank you. Uh, when she was younger, when she still has, when she is, <laughs> when she herself was still in high school, uh, she visited a friend who was the older brother of the other characters we meet in this episode named Rue. And her, Rue's older brother, um, he had a heart condition, so he was always quite sick. Um, but Shinako was always constantly visiting him, like, you know, cooking for him, looking after him and all that. Um, because in turn, I don't think they had, like, a proper parental figure. I think it was just their grandparents, who I recall. It wasn't anyone, like, in the immediacy of, like, say, a nuclear family setup. So they do refer to each parent. Like, they say, he says their mom died. Oh, it was, a, so the dad um, was still around. He just wasn't. And real. then, well, yeah, so at some point, like, you know, when, is his name, What what's the kid with the, the paper clip Rue. through his ear. Rue. Rue, Ruko? No, just Rue. So, R-O-U. Rue. Okay, so when Rue has, you know, done his thing with uh, making a sketch of some modern art. Uh, modern art. Jesus he, Christ. He, he says that, he. what does he say? He says, like, um, you know, come, me and my dad uh, come hang out with us. Like, And she oh, says, yes. I, I can't tell your dad hi for me or whatever. So I think the dad is still around. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, he eventually passed away. And uh, that was the older brother. And yeah. what happened was, that, like, in the particular flashback we get, which I'll mention in a bit, um, like, Shinako and Rue's old brother spent a lot of time looking at the sakura tree outside in his yard. And that was the final thing that she, like, looks at on the day he died. Um, so that is kind of, like, becoming you know in, intertwined in her memory like it's just completely and utterly locked together you can't untangle that like you know sakura in general from you know that from her the older brother who passed away the person she loves she says that as much so that of itself is a bit of twist because obviously you know like the parallel between the metaphor of sakura is like fleeting youth uh time passes too quickly i wish i could get it back that all kind of stuff that's um in of itself you know is obvious the connection there is clear but what's really really suffering about this is that sakura do come back year on year they do bloom again disappear quickly but they keep coming back but obviously the older brother he isn't like shinako every year she will see the sakura bloom and she'll be reminded of that and it'll be like new life and then it goes and it comes back it keeps going but some things are very final. Some things have, you know, a definitive end, unfortunately. So I can't imagine how bitter it must be, and indeed how ironic it is that, hey, you know what? Like, fleeting life not, but even the Sakura do return. They don't die off permanently. So that's the knife twist I'm referring to there, that it's just a little bit more layering to this whole metaphor than just quite simply, hey, these things are only around for a couple of days. Doesn't that make you sad? Does it make you think how time goes way too quickly? And my reaction to that would be, it ain't going quickly enough. I want to go to the pub, damn it. <laughs> God. Uh, yeah, no, wow. It's, um, I, I would, there's a couple of things I want to point people to. Like, so if, if you are out there and you enjoy 
kind of um, marinating in that sort of mood that Shadon is talking about here with the that that is so poignantly uh, symbolized by the the cherry blossoms. Um, I'd encourage you to I've talked about that on this podcast before, uh, but you know people come and people go and and there are people that didn't hear that that are listening now. Um, search uh, mono no aware dispelled like mono no aware. Uh, it is sort of a, a Japanese um, kind of way of thinking that informs uh, lots of poetry and uh, art, like visual arts uh, and things like that. There's a lot of examples on like just the Wikipedia page even. Um, and that that way of thinking is very much rooted in the transient nature of life and because of that, it is a bit melancholic, uh, and how could it not be? But it also aims to see um, beauty in that trend. In fact, like be- because of the fleeting nature of, as you said, youth uh, and life itself, um, those kind of mononoaware folks would say like that is what makes those things beautiful to begin with so it is not it, it it's not that it's not sad but it's not sad in terms of like oh if only it were a different way it's like no like this is the way it ought to be and maybe that's sad but like that uh is just kind of part of the package um so that's the first thing the second thing is if you kind of enjoy um s- stories that are about relationships but like also ghosts and by that i mean (laughs) by by that i mean (laughs) (laughs) i mean something very particular by that um like where you have say shinako and um the main character in this show um and they their relationship is there's a third party to it besides haru there is the ghost of this uh this young man that Shinako uh, was in love with. Casper. Still re- yes, right, exactly. Casper Sama. Before, <laughs> 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 before, he, uh, before he passed away. Um, and, you know, I, story, there are stories like that to be found in the works of, I, I thought of immediately Cross Game, the works of Mitsu Adachi. Um, he at touch as well um he often writes works about um relationships between people uh but there is a death at the heart of all of it that makes the relationship initially quite difficult there is something that rings very true about what's what's played out here and yesterday and what's played out in those adachi stories where there's sort of like levels to like moving on, you know, and I don't just mean like the stages of grief. Can you, do you mind shutting the door? Thank you. I don't just mean the stages of grief. Uh, I mean, like you can, you can kind of move on from and reach sort of acceptance that someone Mm. has, has gone, but you can still, and I know this is like, this is, 
been true for my personal experience with loss. Like it still takes time to to settle and come to to terms with and make peace with that absence in a lot of different aspects of your life. Like mm. those things work themselves out very slowly sometimes. Yeah. Um and so I I thought like this portrayal here of Shinako who you know this this young man has has been gone for apparently some time. Um, it's not something that's been recent, I don't think. She was in yeah. high school at the time, and she's in mm-hmm. her first year as a teacher. So I don't admittedly know if this is entirely equivalent uh, to how it is in England. Uh, my sister's a teacher, though. Um, so she obviously went to university, she obtained a master's, and then she did teacher training. So at the minimum, from my memory, she had to have been 24 at the time that she started teaching at the very basic level. So... If we assume, therefore, high school, you know, in Japan, well, that ends at, what, 17, isn't it? Like, it's a... I no- guess so, it's I'm not a, sure. It's an, I mean, come on, we should know this. We play Persona, we should understand this shit. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I've spent more time in a Persona high school than my actual high school at this point, <laughs> <laughs> collectively. How, how sad is that? Um, oh, that's but, great. But anyway, no, um, like, it certainly has been a number of years. It wasn't like, you know, year minus one or whatever you want to call it. So, yeah, it, but it's, I mean, again, like, you know, how can you shake off a memory of something when you have constant reminders of it? And especially when yeah. the meaning behind those constant reminders is in complete diametric opposition to the bitterness in a sense. Like, you know, it's new life and it's, no, it's gone, but it's back again. It's gone. Whereas it's gone. They're gone. Yeah. And she sounds like at the end of the episode that she wants to that she wants to make a choice to to stop being stuck, I guess. I think she is very much stuck. I think I mentioned that in the first episode that they all three felt felt stuck in their own way and you know, she she felt like this the when she said I'm tired of being in love, like I I think sort of loosely translated here she's saying and tell me if you disagree like i am i'm tired of being exhausted by holding on to all this tragedy and not being able to like find something new and be happy again and to to have these sad feelings of unrequited love that will never be satisfied like i'm tired of being in love from that perspective hmm. well i think that i because this is an entirely different talking by the african to explain my feelings on why this death of someone she knew in her childhood is actually surprisingly relevant to her relationship with rico even though obviously he doesn't die he might be dead inside but how does it make him dead <laughs> there's a distinction here folks Oh, he's that's harsh on. <laughs> no, I, I'm joking. He lacks ambition. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I think I think the only ambition he has is to make sure he gets there in time to get the yakisoba bread from his local store before he sells it, <laughs> and he exactly. works there. You know. <laughs> All right, I, I'll come back to that later, Doc. I'll hold for that because okay. I do want to sure. bring it up when I talk because I've got a really big question that you and I I, I want to discuss with you, like because this is the thing like that. The episode raises indeed Rico voices to uh, 
God, what was his name again? Rocker Dude. Why can't I ever remember names? I'm so bad with Ah, uh, Kinoshita. That's it. Yeah, Kinoshita. It just didn't quite, uh, didn't quite happen. So, yeah, above wise, I agree with you. Now, I'm going to talk about the playground scene now. Um, because, okay. first off, let's talk about visual imagery here. Like, if you want to talk about being able to move from, from the past, um, then there's no better image in my mind, apart from obviously being stuck in the field of Sakura, like, you know, the blooming Sakura, like, you know, and all that that relates to later on. Simply seeing in the playground, she's still stuck in a youthful state, like, you know, still stuck in that past, like, where she was, uh, <clears throat> you know, still young and still a kid. Um, but then there's other things, though, in this scene when Riku appears. First off, the fact that he doesn't cross the threshold to join her. Like how many mm. how many scenes have you have you seen in like any work of fiction ever or any piece of televisual media where it's two adults sat on like you know swings or whatever you call them in yeah. America, but he doesn't do that. He that ca- is what we yeah <laughs> that is what we call them. Yeah. Yes, because because Rico has already made like you know the bold move if you want to call it that of confessing his feelings to Shinako, so he can't go back. That's gone now. That's him not being able to cross that threshold to join her is literally a representation of how he can't go back and be in the same place that she was in terms of being in the yeah. past. That's gone she now. Would like him, she would like to go back. <laughs> oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, but yeah, so there's that. Uh, we get a Dutch mm, angle to mm. show that she's off kilter as well, which I thought was really neat. Um, it's another good scene, in my opinion. Like, I think that all the dialogue was... By the way... Sorry? Uh, oh, just quickly, I think... like. Um, for the benefit of anybody listening that uh, isn't quite uh, sure or anything um, about uh, terms, like, can you uh, briefly define Dutch angle? Right. So let's let's have a thought experiment. You probably got a phone on you right now, okay? Let's say you I want have a phone. Let's say you want to take a photograph on your phone. You'll probably hold it so it's a perfectly upright or perfectly sideways on. Correct. Now, imagine instead if you took that photo, but you tilted your phone a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right, so it's at a shallow angle. Mm-hmm. That's a Dutch angle. Uh, the most infamous example of Dutch angles ever, and I say infamous to mean not good, was Battlefield Earth, because the entire film was a Dutch angle. Essentially, it? so, yes. <laughs> I've not seen film, this movie. I've heard, the, it's, I've heard it's quite bad. But it's seen terrible. It. Um, but generally speaking in filmmaking when you have regular angles which is to say like either you've got your straight up 90 degree shot but you know that kind of thing where it's all level then that's what you'll find the vast majority of film is done in Dutch angles though can be used to show uh, disquiet uh, or Ill- being ill at ease or that something's amiss in a scene you know like that's part of the filmmaking language so mm-hmm. Seeing that Shinako, like, you know, is framed in a Dutch angle at one point when she stands up and starts talking to Rikuro helps reinforce, like, her mood and presents it to the audience. There's a lot, again, not necessarily one specific major moment, but a lot of individual smaller moments being blended together of different strokes uh, to help relay the drama that's going on here. There's a lot to like. Um, oh, I forgot to mention as well, uh, when I was talking before about the whole build-up to, uh, you know... <clears throat> To the, gradu- to the graduation, and then the graduation that is not a graduation, uh, you know, with them drinking. Uh, mm-hmm. When we get introduced to uh, Rue, what I really like as well is that Shinako's mannerisms change with him. She, We see yeah. her, for example, talking with her students earlier when they take a photograph of her, which, as I mentioned, uh, is a photograph that is set in stone and there will never be a harrow in it whatsoever. That's, you know, there's no bringing mm. that back either, which also ties with uh, Rue's brother's death. 
you know, the finality of things that we can't go and undo them no matter how much we would want to. And that in turn will become a part of like why I talk about Riku and Shinako later. Um, but yeah, like when she starts talking with him, I have to praise the writing here and her dialogue because there's no like massive overt like change, but you can tell that her mannerisms are completely different. She doesn't talk to uh, Rural like she does to Rico or to her students. In fact, now that I think of it, her mannerisms with her students, brief though they are, are much the same as they are with Rico. You know, of a nurturing, very like, distant. Yeah. Also, yes, of an of a nurturing or like you know a caring figure, like you know, but someone who is just a figure and not someone who necessarily can be, as you say, close and personal. But with Rural, like even like the sharp angles, like and how she just gestures with her hand. Yep. Like. So many little things in this episode. Ball busting. <laughs> all, all good. All good. She's. I love that. Like we get to see a little bit more of a playful side of her with him. Like, yeah. It, it was a relief because I mean the whole episode it, it almost is. I think you get the sense that she's walking around with some bottled up tension again mm-hmm. because she just just really doesn't fit in in her professional setting or. or Maybe not. I mean, she can fit in, but she just doesn't feel like she belongs there again is the sense I got. Um, And I don't know. She just maybe the tension was me like feeling that for her, like got to like walk around um, really making an effort to like hold up your end of the bargain is clearly I I think I think it's sort of difficult (laughs) for her. Uh, it's the sense I got again. Um, she's really trying hard to fit in, you know, but like, um, whereas it, it came really easy to everyone else. Um, uh, but then when, as you say, Rue comes up, she just kind of slips into more natural, like, and it's just really, it, it, it is a, a relief again. Um, yeah. And as I'm saying it out loud, um, maybe there's a little bit of a parallel, her, uh, her, parallel, her, a parallel here. <laughs> the uh, two genders. <laughs> her and him. <laughs> right. Her and her. Uh, between kind of how she relates to her um, colleagues and how uh, the main character uh, relates to her. Um, and I can talk about that later when we, when we get to that scene. There's just something I, as I'm talking about it, I'm like, oh, there's a similarity. Yeah. Uh, but please continue. Yeah, the, the shift in the dialogue for her, it was... It was gradiated, but it was very organic as well. It wasn't like we literally saw a completely different person, like, you know, that she became, dare I say it, Sundari or whatever you're calling, you know. Oh, God, yeah. It was not like a Ranma one-half change. No, no. It felt very very natural. It works really, really well for her. Um, The final thing I mentioned about the playground scene is a line that she says that, again, I think speaks to this, um, this unfortunate kind of dilemma that, a lot of people in their lives will face, which is, she says, like, you know, is it selfish, something effective, is it selfish me to want things to be the the way they were, you know, to, to change history? And this isn't erased, nor is it Steinsgate, nor is it any sort of time travel bullshit. There ain't no going back in time to fix it. And those stories have their places for sure, because sometimes they can make the lesson that even if you did go back and change things, it wouldn't necessarily be for the better as you believe it to be. Life's more complicated than that. But nonetheless, how many of us, uh, you, me, Doc, uh, you, the listener, 
how many of us like you know have ever thought self if i went back and did this one thing differently or if i could have things back to the way they were you know just in a general sense like not rather you know like that you simply say have a particular job rather but you know like specifically as far as it pertains to yesterday having a specific state of a relationship with someone like a certain kind of friendship you know like before things mm-hmm. get sullied in a certain way if you want to call it that like mm-hmm. how many times have we felt that i know i have more times than i care to count and it's very very relatable and yet it's also again like deeply unfortunate that there is no going back and this is the reason i think that uh rose brother's death ties into uh the thing that happens with Requo later on yeah because i think that in a sense it is about the death of a relationship as we know it it then admittedly changes into something else it isn't entirely gone but the way things were you know like like with rose like rose brother literally dies but like you know her relationship with haru and her hope to try and get her through school that's gone and then by the you know in fact by the end of last episode her relationship with Rico, as she knew it, that has also disappeared, and it isn't coming back. They they can't like you know reset back to factory settings if you want to say it that way, um. Which is why I think that that idea of Rose brother's death, like you know, ties this whole thing. It's like it's not just simply about like physical death, but rather like you know the death of a phase of a relationship and how we cope in the aftermath of that. Because there's a lot of awkwardness to what follows, which you and I will discuss in a bit, uh, particularly with Rico and Shinako at the end, that I think in some way can feel like a kind of sense of mourning, you know, like a sense of loss. Totally. totally. So I think I think that's the thread that ties this whole episode together. And I think that it's... I can certainly relate to it, because you and I will get to that in a little bit. Um, but yeah, like I think that all of this stuff in this first half of the episode was pretty phenomenal. I really, really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. It was bitter. It's not the easiest of pills to swallow watching this show. I will confess that. But I think that, you know, like, when I mentioned, for example, the shows, like, that do literally allow travel back in time, as much as they can, uh, you know, have subject matter, which is that, oh, it's not as simple as you made things better and now, like, you know, you're all happy and all that. You know, it's much more complicated than that. Not even indulging in the fantasy of being able to travel back in time. I think that's, you know, a strength of yesterday's all its own that, no, you really do have to move forward and it's going to be awkward and difficult, but you've got to do it one way or another. Can't do anything else, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. and that's, I agree with you. I mean, bitter for sure, but, you know, as I was talking before about Mono no Aware, like, also beautiful, I think. Like, I really love, like, the fact that I, I feel so far the show hasn't really pulled its punches in terms of, you know, just letting letting these characters, the, the mess that is these characters and kind of their their complications and hangups and the way they're kind of unfair toward each other um, at times. Like all that stuff is just full on out there. And uh, and it's really, really just quality stuff. Um in my opinion, you know, I was thinking as you were talking, do you remember last episode we said, Oh, wouldn't it be great if like everything wasn't entirely focused on Rikuo's point of view? Yes. Got, like a, this episode was like basically a Shinako episode. Like it began and ended with her and was mostly about her. And we got like some, 
some stuff from her vantage point exclusively like yeah i i thought it pretty much got us there without like opening with like hi everyone i'm shinako a high school teacher you're probably wondering how I got in this, or some sort of weird, you know, dialogue in an inner monologue. Um, but also, also, you know what happened this episode to our boy Rikuo? For a brief amount of time, he got put in the friend zone, Shadon. Oh my. The friend zone. Let's talk about the friend zone. Oh boy. Go on. Girls come in here because I get friend zoned so frequently. But that's okay. I'd like to be in the friend zone. I'd like friends. It's not as pleasant as you'd think. <laughs> they don't treat you like a friend. They treat you like an item. Sometimes I wish I could be more than just an accessory to these women. But unfortunately, as a gamer, I don't get respect. Well, I'm not a gamer, so maybe they'll respect me. That just makes you a beta cuck. That's, that's the difference between you and I, Silver the Hedgehog. I'm an I'm a alpha gamer. <laughs> and those are the things that are important about the friend zone. You've had that on tap for months, haven't you? You've had that there. Maybe. Just wait for the right moment. Oh my, go on then. Let's, let's lay into it. Let's talk about the heavy shit. Let's talk about the friend zone yeah um i don't know man i mean like so so uh, this is again where it, it's gonna sound like i'm being harsh or unfair um but but i don't i don't necessarily begrudge shinako feeling the way she does but she really does friend zone rikuo pretty hard and like you know it's 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 not exactly the most fair thing in the world to tell someone who has just confessed their feelings for you hey you know what i really want from you actually is if we could go back to where like we just were friends and laughed about dumb shit together super like superficially that if you if you respect me I think that's what I would like you to do. And again, like I know that she's in some pain that she, as you said, she's getting over. She's still getting over the death of a person. She's dealing with this kind of existential sort of grief that you talked about of like the loss of her, uh, past self and her youth and the the way she related to the world and her and her other kind of role that she had in a different town like all that stuff and that can be really confusing because like it's hard to like know what we're feeling or to be like so so why do we feel so discombobulated like because no one no one has actually died or anything um but uh but but so yeah i i say this again with all all sympathy for her and her plight, but man, she—that's a hard ask. She, she gives of Rikuo, and at least he comes clean. At least at the end, he's like, you know what? Like, I couldn't really have done this, so I don't think I I wasn't gonna like we we could we couldn't do this. And she also is like, I don't want to do this either. <laughs> so, well, that, well, that's yeah. it. Like, I I wasn't bothered by that because I read it as like 
in an ideal world, if I did have like you know a universal remote, or I could just click my fingers and make it happen. That's what I'd like. But I'm not in an ideal world, so I'll express. But she actually asked someone that. <laughs> you know what I mean? But she like, doesn't like What if you went it? and asked a person that? Like, hey, can we rewind time? How about and we could like be buds? Uh, again, I, I don't nice think lady. I don't but, like. I don't. But, but again, I doesn't. It didn't bother me. Like I'm not upset about it. I just think like. I, I love it. I think it's like, again, like it's fucked up in a way that I enjoy watching. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I didn't. Again, it, that was um, that was a harsh thing to ask someone. <laughs> I think I don't think she was asking in all seriousness. Like, because I'm, I mean, never mind it being a harsh thing to ask. It's completely impossible. Like, there is no let's go and pretend. You can't like. If you want to make believe, like, you know, that you are back to a previous state in your relationship with someone, you're welcome to give it a go by all means, but good luck keeping that facade up. Like, you know, you basically have to become a soap opera actor, and then your life will literally turn into a soap opera as a result of that. So I didn't read it as her literally asking him to do that and then just going, oh, just what if, just kidding kind of thing. Rather, I just thought, like, you know, that it kind of gelled with her previous statement of, wouldn't it be great if we could go back to the way things were? Like, you know, wouldn't it be great if I could, like, you know, go back in time? Like, that kind of thing. Um, but I suppose this now leads me on to the big question, because this is the one um, that is asked in the middle oh. of it. Sorry, go on. I know what you're going to ask. I know what you're going to ask. Yeah. So, this is something that Rico asks, and again, I've forgotten his work colleague's name, because it's Friday evening and my brain doesn't work. Uh, Kenosha. Kenosha, sir. I, I feel like I just really want to call him Axel uh, Axel yep. Rose for a moment, mm-hmm. but never mind. Um, or maybe you know Bon Jovi, Motley Crue, whatever you know. Bon Jovi's good. <laughs> yeah. Well, Rico really is living on a prayer. <laughs> yep. So hey, there we are. Uh, so Rico asks him, you know, can men and women be friends? Now the thing is, Rico asking that question isn't him literally saying, "Can a man and woman be friends?" Because the question, because the answer would be yes, we'd then play the Looney Tunes outro theme and that would be the end of the episode, <laughs> you know. But rather, the, the question I think he's asking is, can, and I'm actually going to expand this question because I think this is fair to ask if, like, basically, can some can two people, at least one of whom is attracted to the other, remain friends after uh, they have dealt with their, you know, feelings Mm-hmm. In a way that doesn't ultimately lead them to becoming a couple. I think that's the real question he's asking there. If you want to expand out, make it more inclusive, while also getting to the crux of the problem. Would you agree with me on that, Doc? Yeah, I think that's uh, the right question. And I think that um, I think the Botley crew gives... I'm so bad at this, I'm so sorry. Uh, Kanashia, is that it? I'm just going to let you... I'm just going to... No, no more life preservers. You, <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> no, it is Kinoshita. Yes. Kinoshita, yeah. So Kinoshita like says, well, as long as you have the confidence to do so, yes. And I think there's a truth to that. I think that he's very fortitude. He respects them. Yeah, it's I like, think, dang. I think, I think there's a truth to that. In that, you know, you'll have to accept that. Hey, uh, your feelings, like you know, will go and requite it, but that doesn't mean you can't still be friends. But then again, like you know. Is it really the same thing as just simply being friends in the first place? Where without that b- burn on top of you? Like, you can't say that they're exactly the same uh, states of being in terms of, like, you know, your relationship with someone. Because they're not. 
you're carrying that those thoughts and feelings with you and they will um affect you know your decision making and what you do i'm not saying they'll drive people mad or anything. i'm just saying like you know subtle things like oh maybe i won't necessarily bother them too much because i feel like i'm coming on too strong you know that kind of thing so it's it's mm. difficult and I don't think, if I may be quite honest, I don't think a lot of people, like, if they've ever had, like, you know, that kind of one way, or even reciprocal, but it just doesn't get off the ground, like, you know, kind of feeling for each other, like, that just doesn't build any further. I don't think a lot of people do necessarily remain friends. But when I say that, there's a distinction I'm making here between not remaining friends and falling out. I think that that's more, I think what tends to happen more often is that people drift apart. And that can just happen kind of like through a kind of inertia, I'd say. Um, but yeah, I think that when you do make a you do make a statement or try something like Rico does, um, that does fundamentally change, you know, the relationship. Even if you ultimately don't end up like you know becoming an item together, you haven't. Mm. You know, there are things you realize now. And I can't remember where I where I read this or what show it's from. It was relatively recently. Um, I the line goes something like, "It's like I guess being friends with him, really good friends with him, wasn't good enough." Um, and there's something kind of damning about it when you put it that way, because if you are really good friends with someone, then yeah, what's what's wrong with that necessarily? And I then have to think as well, like you know, like there's a distinction between people, like you know, who become attracted to each other simply because they know very little about each other from the start but then hook up very quickly like the ramp up time is quite quick versus hey i've known this person for a, a while how long is a while you might ask let's say a couple of months to 20 minutes years. <laughs> that's a, that's a hot minute there doc <laughs> I, i've known them for that long but like if you can imagine like you know someone is you've known someone for a while and then you suddenly develop feelings for them like that's a different thing again like there's a lot of like shades and complexities to the idea of falling in love shall i say with someone because that's kind of what it is really um that i don't know like is it possible in your opinion dot first i suppose to ask like i've just i've distinguished between hey there's the quick ramp up like you know hey we met like you know a party and then we kept go we went immediately inside daisy and then things blossomed from there versus i've known this person two plus years and now i think i want to take it to the next level do you think that the former is more successful than the latter in terms of a stable like happy relationship happening i don't think that it's just a total case by case basis mm. honestly um so it's, but then again that's an answer in itself though because like how can you know then um but yeah the thing is though like the former doesn't come with the emotional baggage of the latter if things go wrong like not to be too coarse about it, but hey, if I start dating someone like I meet on a dating website and it doesn't work out, then, you know, I'll be pleasant about it and that'll be the end of it, you know? But if it's someone I've known for much of my life and then, you know, next thing I know, oh, I went on a date with them and it just really didn't work out, there's been a fundamental change then. And mm -hmm. you've got, like, all the history of shared experience, like, you know, and good times you had together that now feels different as a result. It's not the same as like, you know, with a date from Tinder, for example, where, and I don't mean to say no. this d disparagingly, but it is true in that they are more disposable, if you want to call it that way. 
or disposable in the first place relative to lifelong friends and such, you know, who you become involved with. It's true because you don't have like the waste of memory or experience or anything. Yeah, and I think like doesn't mean you should treat you know, your Tinder dates like shit, by the way, folks, or just oh simply gosh. discard them or ghost them. I'm simply <laughs> I'm simply talking purely yeah. in like a meta sense here, you know. Yes, they are like people are it's less emotional kind of uh weight to end a relationship that you haven't invested as much in. Um so gosh you've said a lot i'm trying to collect my thoughts to respond to different you know can uh people who are um who are attracted to each other be friends uh post confession of love or post trying to date uh or dating successfully um i think so i think it's sometimes as you said easier sometimes more difficult depending on the context ironically it's like um like the scale for how difficult it is probably rises and then falls again the farther you go into a relationship because i feel like a lot of uh people that get married uh and then break up where the breakup is not particularly bad um but they kind of drift apart or whatever it feels like, at least in my experience, many of them are still on quite good terms after the fact. Um, and they still even, in some cases, like, love each other. But, you know, sometimes that's not enough to keep a relationship going uh, or keep kind of building a life together. Um, but in the case of this show, for these sorts of people, I think that they're, like... So, so I feel like Rikuo at this point feels like a pretty, like, you know, he's fucked up in his own kind of way and got issues. But relatively speaking, I think he's fairly healthy, like, emotionally, or, or at least in his relationship to Shinako. What I mean by that is, like, I think, you know, his wanting to be friends with her, his being okay with being friends after being shot down is evidence that he still really cares about her hmm. and he will take kind of um he he will exert the required emotional effort because like you said a lot of people drift apart because it's so hard <laughs> to like exert that effort to that, that that a friendship requires to it's hard to feed the friendship right yeah um i think it's because but, but he wants to yeah and... i think i think it's because like if you think of it like you know like when you're in a friendship with someone like you have a mutual understanding of what you mean to each other really like hey you're a good friend i'm a good you're a good friend to me i'm a good friend to you we're we have a mutual equivalent understanding and and then in circumstances like this the fact that no uh it's not an equivalent understanding. There's this person who clearly has feelings to you beyond what you thought, or, you know, you in turn tell them, and, like, they didn't know that, vice, you know, that kind of thing. Like, that really, I think, puts people off guard. I think it really throws them for a loop, makes them, you know, not necessarily trust their own instincts, like what they knew of the other person. Not to say they distrust them, rather, but, you know, it's a paradigm shift, and that can be incredibly difficult to deal with. 
Um, I should just mention, by the way, I want to bring up a quick moment from the playground scene again that I almost neglected to uh, mention. Really, I should just be reciting the script from start to finish because it's yep. great. Mm-hmm. But you were saying about Rico being fairly healthy. There's one thing he does in this episode that I did think was kind of crappy on his part, though. Not majorly. Totally. He's not, a, yeah. Not majorly, though, but rather I could see that it was not the right move. And I think he did it completely unconsciously, which is um, Shinako says, like, I don't feel like I'm moving forward. And he says, no, no, that's something that, you know, only happens to a useless loser like me. But here's the thing about making that kind of statement. Like, it's this self-depreciating thing again. (laughs) Yeah. The the problem is, is that that statement makes it about him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, And And it's completely unconscious on his part. I'm willing to give him that kind of, uh, you know, benefit of the doubt. But it's not, you know... I understand what he's trying to do. Like, hey, you know, I'm I'm lower than you. You're in a good place. But really, the truth of that kind of toxic attitude is that it makes about him. But there's a follow-up line to that, that I thought it's was true. really, really neat because it's got two meanings to it, even though one of them is explicit and one of them's not, which is that um, Shinako says to Rico, um, you're a poor judge of character. Now, she refers to as him, <laughs> her appraisal of, of her, sorry, his appraisal of her by that. Right. But that's equally then, if you've brought out, true of his own self-appraisal. Which I thought was a nice little line. Like, you know, that, hey, maybe she has a higher opinion of him than he has of himself. And she's just trying to, you know, realign that. They're both very self-deprecating. Um, and I, I guess, so, let me, I walk back the word healthy because it's not exactly what I, what I meant. I did a poor job of conveying what I mean. Because I think our three principal characters have evidenced uh unhealth in terms of their emotional life well one of them is the crow mother so yeah exactly i guess (laughs) she's probably the most healthy of everyone um what i mean to say is that i think that he was trying to be friends with her for the right reasons because he cared about her not because he wants to like take advantage of her somehow and granted he still is carrying a flame for her but she knows that and I, w- that's all I was trying to say is that like you you could see an example of someone like him uh, wanting to remain in her life just to look for an opportunity to take advantage of her somehow um, but it feels like so far he want he was willing to to do the thing the impossible thing she wanted to do be friends with her um, uh, be, be, because he wants to be part of her life still yeah um and partly for selfish reasons but you know i think not for ex- the extremely shitty ones but but no he's still a selfish guy i think i think that's right he still uh is the center of his universe i think that's fair to say hmm. yeah absolutely okay um i have one more talking point to bring up and this is with a specific thing that this episode and the previous one did um, let's talk about paneling in the flashbacks. So, there are two um, things I want to know about the paneling in this uh, in the flashbacks here, which are the very comic book like inserts of like specific uh, elements of a scene. Um, the first one is when we gain the flashback from Shinako about like her relationship with uh, Rico's um, old brother. Like, one thing to note is that Ruo's... Sorry, not Rico. Sorry, Ruo, I mean to say. Uh, like, he says, uh, like, let's have your home cooking again. And what we know is in one of these panels, like, there's a focus shot of Shinako carrying a bag of groceries. 
and you'd have no idea how much it hurt me to say groceries rather than shopping bag, like, you know, shopping bag of like, you know, I'll just call it shopping in general. As it would be. <laughs> Why did it hurt you? Because that's the British term, like groceries is what you call it over there. I do not use the word groceries ever. Oh, I'm, I'm trying sorry. to. What do, you, I'm, shopping, what do you call it? A bag of shopping. A bag of shopping. <laughs> yeah. Shopping is, is completely a verb here. It's not a noun, but that's interesting. I like it. Yeah. So she's bringing a bag of groceries back, but it focuses on that. And what I think is noteworthy about that is it reinforces the idea of how much of a home that place was for her, how comfortable she was with it. Like, ties back into that line from Rue about the home cooking. Like, puts emphasis on it. Uh, but the other um, is that there's that scene of, you know, her Rue's older brother, like, walking away from her. Like, not, not away from her as in, like, he's leaning, but rather he's, st- he's a couple of steps ahead. So she sees him from the back. And then... What happens at the end of the episode when Rico leaves? She turns around and he's walking away and that's framed in the similar way. Like, yeah, that's the, at the end of the playground shot, right? Yeah, um, no, that's at the end of the episode after outside her apartment. Okay. Um, I thought it was at the end of the, the playground well, no, shot. No, 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 no the, the, flash, the flashback has the panel thing, but it's not even made as a panel, but it still happens. It's still mm-hmm. a parallel mm-hmm. in that Rico walks away from that way and she only sees the back of him as he goes. Yeah, and she doesn't want to... Uh, she does not want to follow him in that way, and so she stays behind to yep. ruminate in her sadness. Yeah, the people that she cares about seem to only be people that she sees from behind and are always some distance away from her. Like, again, like with the Sakura, how many times is she going to have, like, things repeat over and over again despite her wanting to avoid them? Yeah, it feels, again, I think she's ready to break out of that that cycle. Um, One would hope. Well, she's got 16 episodes. If you can, I mean, I, I... It's tough to know, like, how much of... How much of it is time and how much of it is effort? And that, you know, maybe effort will only take you so far. I guess it, you know, I guess in her case, since it happened so long ago, perhaps the, the time has, has come and the effort is what's needed now to make a big change in her life. Um, hmm. But uh, so now I have a question to ask you. Oh, um, boy. The, a big one. Um, so. I really love when characters in shows have really different ideas about um, sort of broader fundamental concepts that the concepts than I do. Um, Haru at one point says something like, "Love is a trick of the mind, and it's going to have its sort of run on you and, and eat at you and eat at you and eat at you." Until you win or you lose, and then you know you you've basically had your go, and it works out or it doesn't, and then it's gone. Um, wh- what do you think about this idea? Do you think there's anything to it? Have I understood it correctly? How do you think? You know, we've talked about love on this podcast before. Like, how does this differ from your own ideas? Right. Well, if at all, you might be a Haruist about love. <laughs> insert your own "what is love" joke here, baby. Don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. We made that many times. I'm going to keep making it more. Yeah. Uh, anyway, paying I've, Hathaway royalties. The, the first thing I want to point out is that I don't entirely trust Haru as a narrator. Mm. So, 
I have to wonder. A good point. I have to wonder if her perspective, because her perspective must be informed by something. She hasn't come to this completely a propos of nothing. She hasn't just been reading some fucking 4chan threads. At least I hope not. So I'd be curious if we found out more later on about what's triggered this. I have a feeling that something happened between her not graduating in like present day that's led her to think this. I mean, if it turned out, for example, to be, let's say, the person who introduced her to the bar that she works at previously or the club, hmm, you know, that would not be entirely implausible. So you think it's an idea that she learned from someone else or maybe was kind of forced on her and she thinks, well, this is just reality? Like it's perhaps her, her, she was uh, yeah, she was used by someone who's like, I love you. And then, oh, it's gone, no more. And then or, she's like, well, this is just the way the world is. Or to be more cynical than that. Hey, Haru, how about you come work at this club? Like, you know, you can do great here. You and me will do great things together. And, you know, this dude, like, she's obviously really infatuated with because he's taking special attention to her, you know, showering her with, like, gifts and attention, stuff like that and whatnot. And then next thing you know, okay, there's this booth over here. There's a pole. Off you go. That kind of thing. You know, basically utilizing her as a commodity. Like, I that's... Because, I mean, she does say in this episode, like, Sensei, you weren't, like, as in Shinako, you weren't the reason I quit school. But what yeah. was the reason then? You know, um, if I were to take the philosophy on face value, I think that I can understand, again, her coming to that perspective if something had happened to her where it had colored her, like, you know, view, her worldview. But no, I don't believe it is an illusion. I think it can be very genuine. Um, I mean, heck, we've had an example of genuine love in the very same episode from Shinako towards Rose's older brother. I guess. It's hard to know, because we've got such a limited picture of it. Um, because we know he was very annoyed by her. That's all we know of how he felt. Well, it's, well, there's your parallel between uh, him and uh, Shinako and uh-huh. uh, Riku and Haru. Uh-huh. You know, like, Why won't this crow woman go away? Flock off, Featherface. <laughs> Flock off. There, there's your Devil May Cry reference. I snuck that one in. Um, Good. No, my my philosophy is that I do think love can be real and, like, you know, wonderful. But, first off, I haven't experienced it very much, I'm afraid, folks. Uh, nah. So, I can admittedly not only really talk of it, like, in a, hey, I know of it kind of sense. But, hey, I'd rather believe that and having Harry's perspective, which is to be cynical about it and say, hey, no, it's an illusion. Um, but, ultimately, I think that I would want to wait and see more of what's informed this perspective because as much as I disagree with it, it's like a lot of things in life. I will disagree with the perspective evidently, but I will at least understand how she got to that point. We haven't had that yet. I would hope the show delivers on making us understand that. Um, And it would also then in turn inform and make us understand better her behavior towards Riku. Because she seems to have marked him like as basically, you know... <laughs> her, you, you you will come with me like you know you've got no choice in it in the matter she's gonna yeah. put a dog leash on him basically but why is she so desperate to get with him specifically because i don't mean to be like rude to him but there's not a huge amount going for him i know this is what kinoshita said like why is it always you yeah why is it because he just seems like a genuinely decent, nice guy and that's all she needs? Because then, in turn, what made her want that over everything else? You know? Not even in the same age group. Like, at, at like Haru's age, like, she really should be dating someone who's, like, say, 
one or two years older than her maximum, I would argue. We still don't. I, I think we... How old is she? 17, if I had know. to guess. I would love to know. Because, I mean, did she just recently drop out of school? Or has she... Because because didn't we didn't last episode was the, the idea was that she was college age that that was a thing she said she was in college doesn't mean she is though i know this is yes okay she's she's a tricky one Trixie hobbits is um but um but like yeah but how it's a, anyway yes yes please continue i mean as far as her age is concerned like you know, it is her graduation she's at, but it is present day because Shinako has her hair cut prior to the graduation. Mm-hmm. So, right, okay, so is she's, yes, so she would be a graduating senior. Yeah, so yeah. she definitely too young for Rico. <laughs> yeah, is, technically assume... college age, but like, you know, that's like saying I'm old enough to drink and your age is 18 years plus one minute if you happen to be, if that's a legal drinking age threshold, you know. Like, right. you know, she's right. just crossed that line. Yeah. Um so I'd like to see more of her perspective and see what informs because I think, like I say, I can't. Next just... episode, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if 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 the pet current pattern is to be uh, an indication, we might get that next episode. Uh, it'll be a Kinoshita episode. <laughs> right. I got his name right for that yeah. as well. You should be proud of me. I'm very proud, proud um, Papa. But like, that's the thing, though. Like, I again, my overall conclusion on that on her statement about that is, I don't agree with it. And I have to operate on a belief with that, by the way, folks. So again, I haven't been in a relationship for a very long time. So, uh, you know, what is love? I don't even get to say baby don't hurt me because I don't have anyone to hurt me over it. Wah, 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 wah. Smallest You've been friend zoned by the universe. <laughs> for this rate, really just feel like it sometimes. Anyway, no, nah, I'm, I'm they kidding. They don't me. treat you like a friend. They treat you like an item. Damn. Uh. Um, and they don't even do uh, any dick flattening. It's just no. it's terrible. <laughs> nah, I kid, I kid. Um, but yeah, like it, it doesn't just because like you know I have this philosophy like where I believe that love is you know pretty genuine can be kind of magical. I can at the same time like I wouldn't say for example someone who's like been through tons of abusive relationships who doesn't believe in that anymore like oh you're wrong you'll find someone someday who like you know can love really genuinely love you like that is. I would argue true, but I wouldn't say it to them. I wouldn't like try and, you know, say their viewpoint. Force your ideas upon them. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say their perspective is wrong because I don't understand how they got to that point. So I'm just curious now to see what led Harrow to think the way she does. Is it the raven or the crow? Like, does it just keep going? Kaka, kaka, loves shit. Kaka, kaka. Nevermore. (laughs) Um, right. Uh, Yeah. Um. I also don't agree with it, although I I guess I maybe my idea of is is it like a million zillion miles away from it, but um I, I've talked about this before too on the show where I think um that love is uh, is a decision, uh is a commitment that that you make hmm. that is often accompanied by certain feelings, um and uh romance perhaps perhaps not uh perhaps uh lusty times perhaps not (laughs) (laughs) perhaps not um those all those things can come and go uh or not but i think um the the core of this kind of you know particular love that we're talking about is that commitment that you have 
Um, and when that goes away, uh, that's love gone away. I would but agree, I am... by the way, uh, with your commitment statement there, because that has been Rico's entire problem. Like, you know, he can't commit to doing anything really beyond a part-time job, which is like the the bare minimum of effort that he's willing oh, to put in. Oh, God. Yeah, this kid does not love anyone right now that is not i guess his mom and dad (laughs) like which is a different different sort of love right that you're you don't really like you sort of are born by default and there you are doing that assuming you grow up in a in a healthy home um but like yeah once you're an adult and you can choose who to love yeah i don't think he's he's done done that he's had maybe some infatuations and some likes and everything but in my in my humble opinion yeah he's not he's not there yet but he could he could get there um and i i hope that we see him um muster up the you know energy and uh kind of get things together and straighten his shit out uh to the point where maybe he might be ready to do that someday that'd be nice um, his heart may very well beat again uh, provided he stops smoking Spe- speaking of uh, that i i'm gonna end up my final talking uh, elements here by mentioning crunchyroll comments which i brought up earlier after you had to step oh. away for a little bit um the top comment on uh yesterday episode two and i say it's like as in like it's the most recent one uh and this just goes to show like some people are watching this show and they're just not really getting much out of it and i think that's their fault to be quite honest uh i think the teacher lady looks better with long hair her with short hair looks weird to me like yeah that's that's the takeaway from this incredibly like you know this incredibly bitter and sober examination of what it's like to go through not even a breakup i would argue but more like a you know a shift in your understanding of a relationship with someone else like and how that can feel like its own kind of funeral like you know the the death of like the person you knew and how they become something different to you all of a sudden. But no, like short hair, weird, like Jesus. Fuck, and also honestly. maybe your old life, right? And your yeah. Kind of sense yeah. of self, right? Like, yeah. I mean, she's really moving into a brave new world where I think it's, it's really hard for her to know what her place is um, or feel like she has a, a place to belong. Um, and, I would say all that first of all, and second of all, I'd say you're just wrong. Short hair equals better for Shinako. But what's that? Play, I mean, play. I was thinking. Please I was thinking jump, of a jump off a roof. I mean, I was thinking of an MMO junkie because uh, that happens with uh, yeah, Mo-chan. totally. She do, she does the same thing, and like hair, you know, getting a haircut can be a sign of a big change. It's part of your appearance, so it's part of it. Like this how... is yeah, yeah, totally right. I think this ties into like, I mean where she sort of knows she being Shinako, like it's she she's changing she's moving on she's leaving behind something but is symbolic but she makes a mistake in that case then because bear in mind her students photograph her after she's had the haircut but the same graduation where haru is not there I know, I know. A simple, a simple is, haircut she's... won't solve everything. It gives I you know. a sense of control, I think. Like It makes you feel like sure. you've done something. And sure. Lord knows, like I've seen plenty of examples of that in recent months, although admittedly it wasn't people getting the haircut, but more just saying, you know what? That 18 pack of Andrex, I need it, because I'm full of shit. 
Um, I love that shot in the park where Shinako, we see her in profile and the mm. wind is kind of whipping through her hair. We see it in the ending, the ED as well. And it's so pretty. Yeah. Like she's so pretty and the shot's so pretty. It's, it's gorgeous. But, um, that whole thing, that whole scene is, is just amazing. It's just like, we see these two characters basically tie this like emotional Gordian knot. Like, holy cow, like, how are we gonna, how is anyone gonna find satisfaction? Because Haru does not want to be second choice. She wants the terms of this situation to be warfare, competition, head to head, and Shinako refuses because she's like look she's he's never gonna be more than a friend idgaf girl uh, right but i think i think she's that i think she starts to do an about face on that at the end of the episode but like um or at least it's ambiguously open that she has i do i do understand yeah i do understand her perspective a little bit in this so like i mean her like saying she's going to war with like a sensei over this dude i'm like come on really but again we have to it's simple but again we always have to remember though like characters can be stupid they can make mistakes they can be a bit shit and she's still young yeah like you know i still she does not want mistakes all the fucking time (laughs) Uh, yeah yeah, i know i i really yeah i didn't have to say it (laughs) no (laughs) no i'm sorry i didn't mean it that way i'm kidding you screw up so much um no, I think like. Oh, are you, I... say, are you saying Haru does want some scrubs? You know, I'm, conf- I'm very confused now. You've I don't want me. no scrub. No, Do you, you tied me in a Gordian. Oh my god, we were talking before about explaining jokes, and now I'm having to no, explain yeah. stuff. Funny. Yeah, the, the right, TLC the... song. Bang, um, dead. Tell me where you were when Crazy Sexy Cool came out in 1991. At home, probably. <laughs> ignoring it with all the with all the willpower a four-year-old boy could muster <laughs> just, uh, ignoring it jesus so, christ so I, I sort of appreciate in some ways where haru is coming from and kind of what she wants i mean yeah the, that, that's, the situation that's the thing, is yeah. yeah the situation is so much more like complex but in ways that she doesn't understand because because she is so young and because she doesn't know Really, she hasn't taken the time to know or care what Shinako's situation is. I mean, here's the thing, right? Like, from her her perspective is, okay, if you duck out, then Rico is just basically going to say, well, she's gone. I guess I'll sell for you then. Exactly. Fine. But no, no. <laughs> and here's the thing, right? I, again, like, can't really disagree with that perspective. At least the core idea of it, which is, I want this to be genuine. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that yep. Rico just can't simply be genuine towards her anyway. She is admittedly going about it completely the wrong way. But the core It's not just it, that she wants it to be genuine in reality, like she wants to know. Yeah. And be a hundred percent sure it's on her own terms genuine. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because like if it happens and you know, say a, a couple years from now Rico and her get together. I mean, she might still be having those nagging thoughts in the back of her head years down the road, and that if anything, they kind probably of get thing worse. That bothers yeah. her. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. It's been another six years. Rico's still working at the convenience store. He's just, <laughs> you know, Kinnishi is like on his like you know second double platinum world tour and all that, and uh, you know, he, poor Rico. He's like, you know, well, 
I met this girl. Wasn't really into her. Hey, you're still around, Harrow. How's it going? You know? Oof. Do you want to go out for a drink? Yeah, I can, I can see her, like, you know, being a bit... Oh, fuck that noise. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with you on that. And I just want to say, like, then things self like, well, if she's so desperate for that authenticity of, like, romance and affection, what makes her want it? Now, uh, that's not to say that no one wants that, but she's so desperate for it, so desperate for it from this yep. particular guy. What's driving her to do that? Mm-hmm, I'm genuinely mm-hmm. interested. I get the feeling it's going to be pretty grim to find out in the end, but yes, oh, please tell me all the things. You're probably you're probably right. You're probably right that it'll be grim. Um, I don't want to be. Do you think at the end of the episode, they're in some ways like, not in terms of what we know about the characters, but chiefly about the characters' relationships to each other and romantic possibilities they're in. Do you think we're at the same place as we started at the beginning of the episode? I think we might be, uh, because kinda, I think, yeah, but yeah, but not to say that this is bad. I mean, we've gotten, uh, we found out a lot, and we've been revealed much, and so I don't mind. And the characters have done stuff and made changes, and then walked those changes back. Stuff is happening, but yeah, I feel like at you know at the beginning and at the end of the episode, Rikuo is into Shinako, Shinako, um is not into him but the possibility of them being more than friends is still open and haru is still into rikuo but rikuo is not feeling it so i feel Mm. like we kind of start and end there but a lot happens in between i think the other pitfall that shinako needs to be careful of though is that i mean there's the very good reason that there's that parallel image from both like the panel in panel moment of the flashback of her seeing Rosal the brother walking ahead only seeing his back and then seeing Rikuo's at the end of the episode that she might feel compelled to want to get with him now because well if I don't then he's gone forever but that is I'm very sorry to say not a good enough reason in of itself like you know to take it to the next step for all that I've said before like you know like it's difficult after the fact like, you can still know ahead of time, maybe I shouldn't take it to the next level, this person. I might want to, but I probably shouldn't. You know, we're not like, you know, complete automatons who are just slaves to our emotions who have to confess shit like that. I mean, Rico spends time making a decision to do so in the previous episode. Um, a very self-serving one, don't get me wrong, but at least he fought by it. He just simply didn't go, like you, blah. Like, you know. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. I think if, if I have to just... I'm going to finish up my points now here because I have to okay. say, like, all the stuff we've talked about, it really, I think, is doing a good job of helping, like, articulate just how complex this shit really can be, especially yeah. in the inner minds of people as well, and how past experiences can burden us and colour our, like, you know, viewpoint and how we want to act going forward. I am very interested to see Haru's backstory develop more, but I don't also want it to be dealt out entirely all at once. I, I think the idea of her being an unreliable narrator could be interesting itself if what we get is not entirely the truth the first time around. And it takes some teasing to get that out of her. Like, And I don't mean as in like she's literally getting teased, but rather the story takes its time and no, then know, yeah. gradually gives us the truth of things with her. Um, so yeah, I am very much looking forward to more yesterday. It's, I'm, again, not going to lie, like, you know, too many of these experiences overlap with my own throughout the years, but I'm happy that, you know, for as much as is dealing with these characters who have these problems, it 
pities them, but it's never, in my opinion, mocking them. I mean, there's no. some like there's there's some like you know good fun natured like you know ribbing at like Rico's expense, for example. But it doesn't humiliate him in terms of like his feelings and such. Again, my main mm-hmm. concern remains though that we'll just have this resolved in the end by him picking Catherine or Catherine, basically. You know, such a good such a good analogy. Do you want the Catherine um, with the K or the Catherine with the C? Basically, right, right. Um, the nag or the demon. Um, real that's that's where it becomes a bad analogy. Um, oh dear. So, yeah, I don't. I get. I remain steadfast in my conviction that no one of the three will be romantically involved with each other. Yes, at, that would be. I would be at the end of I, the episode. That would be the best episode. That would be the best ending. Like, gets the end of the show. Who's hooked up? No one. None. Do you want to see how many relationships there are here? Fucking nothing. But empty air. But but we still get some sort of like closure in terms of like their ability to find their own happiness. And I'm really surprised that the manga went on as as long as it did. Honestly, because the the way that the anime um kind of is like it's really doing this great job at like capturing this brief moment in time so i'm like surprised that the moment in time lingers for years and years of publication you know man i hope that crow sticks around oh this is the Uh, third one i've been through by now it's fine so we have a few patron questions um that we forgot to do at the top of the show but we can do them now and we might have touched on these to some degree already so these all three are from kate rose um Kate asks, uh, why do you think Rico is still chasing Shinako? I don't think he is. I don't think he is right now anyway. I think that the actions he takes in this episode, um, well, first off, he meets her by accident at the playground. And he recognizes that something's wrong and he's trying to help her out. I don't think that that's necessarily him being romantically involved, but I wouldn't didn't also deny that. It doesn't tie into it a little bit. Like, he might not be compelled necessarily to stick around as long if he didn't still have that flame that he's holding through, you know, that candle he's kept lit. Um, and then the thing at the end, like, he had been speaking to Rue about, you know, he'd learned in parallel uh, about his older brother and what happened between him and Shinako. So him going there to see her, you know, after she got back, I just take that literally as, <clears throat> I know that she's been through some shit, and it might be worth me talking to her about it. Um, again, not without, not entirely divorced from, you know, the feelings that he confessed previously. And indeed, that might be part of his driving factor. Hey, you know what? It's going nowhere. But I still want to try and help her because I do care for her so much, you know. Otherwise, he may have just phoned her, who could have say? Yeah, I think, I mean, he still carries uh, those romantic feelings for her. I just think he can't. He's he hasn't moved on from them and um you know he carried those around with him when uh he thought that they were in separate worlds where she was in a different city but now he's recently found out that she is in the same city as him and it is you know relit this fire in him of attraction and romantic interest in her and i think just suddenly getting shot down it's i think that they because they have that real you know previous relationship and everything it's not gonna totally uh kill his interest in this person like you said because he cares about her 
on a more than just like, you know, I want to hook up with you kind of way. I think mm. he really does care about her. Um, and uh, maybe, maybe there's also like, I mean, but perhaps if you analyze why he cares about her, maybe there's some like, you know, he wants a mother figure. I mean, who among us doesn't? Am I right? No, <laughs> he he wants like a more nurturing presence in his life because he feels directionless. He or wants whatever. he wants when he can rest his head on on the lap of you know. Mm-hmm. So the ultimate like... anime protagonist goal. <laughs> a lot a lot of us have selfish reasons for for that kind of thing in our in our actual lives also. But so I don't begrudge him that he's not like the worst person in the world for 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 that kind of thing. Um, do you think, Kate also asked, do you think Ro, Ru, Ru, has a crush on Shinako? No, but here's the thing. To this episode's credit, I think the dialogue between uh, him and her at the start, I think that really plays into the audience's, like, you know, uncertainty of, who is this person? They clearly have history. Is it that kind of history? Hmm, I wonder. But no, I don't think he's a romantically attracted to her. I think that he just has a very strong familial bond with her from, you know, what happened in the past. I mean, to the point where he goes up to Rico's work and says, oh, I, oh, you're that dipshit, aren't you, who she knew? Say the fuck away. I might be 17 and I might only be good with a pencil. But still, fuck off. <laughs> like, no, I, I don't think that there's any romantic affection from Ruth Schnarko, or vice versa for that matter. But I do Certainly think- Certainly not vice versa. <laughs> no, but I do think the episode plays very well with like leaving the audience questioning and hungry for more knowledge on what that is at the very start with how their dialogue plays out. Because with a little bit of a tweak here and there, like particularly if, like Rue as a person, like and his character design perhaps, and also his attributes like his age, you could totally see some of that dialogue being more romantically involved, shall we say, or like maybe hinting at it a little bit, you know. It wouldn't take too much to change, I think. And I think that's part by design. Like, it's a feature, not a bug, to keep us on our toes about it. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. Like, sometimes I think, you know, anime fans will be watching... Anime fans of the West, and myself included, will be watching a show and see two childhood friends hanging out with each other uh, or, or, you know, goofing around or one of them is like asking the other one something and the other one's like no you need to go away i don't want to be around just some kind of interaction and then other people around them will be like oh what have what have we here um uh, is you guys fighting because you like each other and that kind of thing and we're like oh this is so stupid like why would anyone think that in real life this is so and yet here we are (laughs) we're all thinking Oh, these two these two buddies that like look at the way they interact with each other. Is there maybe something kind of going on? I'm just gonna um, hold my hands up and say that there have been multiple times I have been talking to women in that kind of fashion, and even I thought, hey, there's something around them. Like, nope. So, believe me, I know it for a fact that that's not guaranteed. And we discussed this before. Uh, I think was it which show is it we discussed it on? Because we we brought up elsewhere, didn't we? Oh fuck, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I think, yeah, I agree with you that there's a strong familial bond. It may even be one of those things that he's just decided in his mind that he's going to marry her someday from when he was little. Who knows? But no, I uh, think... No, we, we all know who's going to marry Shinako, of course. It's going to be Homer from Jula Richard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
the perfect yes. I, I that would be. He he needs to make a guest appearance in this anime and just be like, "Well, I've been asking around about you, and it seems like you're single. I've talked to your parents and arranged for us to have a meeting." I know, um, I know her first name is Shinako. I think her second name might also be Shinako. I'm not sure. <laughs> Shinako, Shinako. Oh my gosh. So the last question from Kate Rose, where do you think this is all going? Uh, we've answered some of that all along the way, I think. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's we... going to end with uh, Shinako and Haru doing the Japanese equivalent of the Felma and Louise cliff jump. Oh my god, please don't. Please stop it. <laughs> I'm going to get drunk in a bit. I'll stop it. I'll be fine. Um, in the end, I, I think that I agree with you, Doc, and I think it would be the most optimal outcome for this show in terms of, like, being satisfying narratively, that none of them hook up. Like, or, I'll allow a concession here, what if there is a small arc in which, let's say, Haru and Rikuro do hook up, but then break up, because it wasn't right for them? I mean, you could be allowed to make I will be annoyed about it. I will be annoyed about it, but I suppose, what what could you do? That's not the worst thing, I guess. If, well, if he hooks so up again, with Haru I, at all, I'll be annoyed. <laughs> I, I'm thinking from the uh, perspective of, a, of, a, of the writer, of the author, and I think that could make uh, yeah. the drama. No, I, yes, like, yes. I think, like, yeah, don't, don't get me wrong. Like, I'll be annoyed on, on a certain level, right? But on another level, you I will be like eating up the popcorn and be like, oh, yeah, here we go, diving into this mess. They're, they're so fucked up. Oh, shit. that. <laughs> Exactly. Um, so, I am going to say though, like we don't have a lot of hints about how the wider subject matter is going to be. I mean, we had Rue, for example, come in here, but he wasn't like really set up as such in the first episode. If you told me, oh, Shinako's like got a history, like you know, where she was in love with someone who died from a heart condition when he was very young, and that's kind of uh, coloured or tainted her life and her memory from that point onwards, I'd be like. Well, I ain't into that. And that's not me criticizing it, by the way. Like, there are times in the no. past where I'll say, that wasn't foreshadowed at all. That's bollocks. Uh, but this I'm fine with. I think that what we will get is we will get a deeper explanation of Haru's history. But as I say, I think we're going to get that in two parts. We're going to get the Haru sanitized version of it. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to get it as close as damn it as it actually happened. Yeah, the dark I think. version. Yeah, after I think... The com- I- after the common route's over, then you get the real shit. The true ending. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that because Haru like, is the way she is, I I can imagine her playing fast and loose with the truth. I mean, she was still honest with um, with Shinako by saying, it's not your fault that I left school. And, and also astute of her on her part to recognize that in Shinako. Like, that's to Haru's credit, I think. You know, she's more well-rounded and simply being, you know, like, Rikuo! 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 Like, there's, there's more nuance to her than that. Um, but yeah, like, that's my guesses. Uh, Haru's going to be coming up fairly soon. We might even get um, some Kinoshita stuff, you know, like, which expands on him as a person. Like, hell, what if it turns out, like, I can see this happening. Uh, Kinoshita's like, hey, Rikuro, my band's performing. Do you want to come watch? That's the last episode. And then, the, you know, the, like... The concert. Yeah, there'll be, a, there'll be a gig or something. There's some drama there. I mean, admittedly, you know, like, I feel bad for Kinoshita because he's going to be opening for the seasons and that's going to be a difficult act to lead oh. up to. So yeah good oh luck, i got buddy. that reference in good luck ah! good luck with that shit um yeah. so yeah that's my guess anyway what a what a show if you have we, sh- we should come up with some kind of poster of like the anime bands you know what i mean Head- the headliner will be cheryl gnome obvs but like 
the seasons would be on there or i would it be the seasons or would they be like give i guess they'd be given right you given yeah they would be. yeah they, at that at that point and then you know you, you put put kenosha in the the i don't know kenosha and the ramen experience whatever they're called <laughs> like on the on the poster we well, um, can, can, well, if it's if you do it like a festival, you'll have three stages. You'll have the main stage for all the big bands. You'll have like this alternative stage for like some big bands, but like ones that don't need the full stadium rock experience. And then you've got the indie stage. So Kinoshi is like you know convenience store band or whatever you want to call them. They'll be on the mm-hmm. indie stage. You'll have Cheryl Gnome Sunday night finale. Yeah. But you'll have Fire Bomber the day before. Oh, yep. 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 Uh, yep. Given will be on the second stage the one that's not full stadium rock mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. or alternatively they will be the headliner of the indie stage on the final day the what about the the rapper and beatboxer from devilman crybaby they deserve uh you know to be part of it they would be the second they would be the act immediately before firebomber on the side maybe during the day i feel like that's an afternoon i show. think they'd be a good setup for that but you could be right maybe maybe earlier on perhaps um also, we'd obviously have to have, you know, Echo and Moo from listeners on there. <laughs> they would they would have to appear at some point. They would probably be the opening acts, I would say, of the entire day on the Sunday. Uh-huh, uh-huh. We need, we, giant like, robot. We, we're yeah. going to have to flesh this out. We, we, we will figure out what the anime festival would look like. What would mm-hmm. anime download or anime leads or anime uh, Glastonbury look like? How would this work? Who would be doing what? And what would the time slots be? We'll figure this out, folks. We'll, we'll get it sorted. We'll call it... Anime Expo. Oh no! <laughs> Wait a minute. Oh, that's already taken. Shit, and it's also been cancelled as well. <laughs> yes, yes, it has. Uh, well, I think that's probably going to do it for Wari uh, for Wari uh, Desho, right? Yes, yeah, there this you is go. probably going to do it for this episode here of um. Oh, why is the name scale of uh, seeing yesterday for me? Thank you to Kate and for our other patrons uh, that are listening first. We love and appreciate you. Um, When this hits the public airwaves, if you're wondering how you could be a patron to ask us questions, to get this podcast early, et cetera, et cetera, head on over to patreon.com slash show and read up on all the details therein. Lots of fun rewards, extra content, Discord access, uh, helping us create stuff uh but read all about it there and uh feel free to uh like subscribe follow and share on all the other places shadon you're on twitter aren't you where are you uh, uh let me find it where i've lost myself uh, uh you can find me at shade and Tense on twitter um hit me up anytime about anything i am at the subtle doctor on twitter and I hope everybody stays safe and well. And he's been Shadon. I'm the Subtle Doctor. This is Watery Desho saying, embrace each other, everyone, to the ends of the universe. Good night. Bring back the brothers. Bye.